I'm Tom Savini, and you're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Aren't you? Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we are dead serious about horror movies. In horror Movie Podcast, you get in-depth horror discussions and reviews for classic films and new releases. We are your horror hosts, The Wolfman. I'm Dave Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And today we are doing our top 10 horror movies of 2021, plus the listeners' top 10 horror movies. That's the thing I'm always excited about, Dave, yeah. to see what our community has been watching. Absolutely. And it's it was a very uh, eclectic year from yeah. the looks of it. <laughs> yeah. How many uh, total titles did people vote for this year? At a total number of 114. 114 films seen by our listeners or voted at least. Right. Four by our listeners this year. That's pretty right. good. I had a hard time narrowing it down. What did you think of the movies this year? What was your take on 2021 horror? You know what? I I, I liked it. There was there was a time like yeah, it's not quite matching for me what like previous years. You know when you when you think of like the really strong years of of yeah. you know on like the 2015, 16 set like all of those. But I did. I was really happy ultimately with my list. I thought, you know what, some nice. of, there's a couple of them that would have made it in other years. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it was uh, it was a solid list, but nothing that really grabbed me. And it's funny because some years we have that thing where it's like, this would have made my top 10 in any other year, but right. you know, it could have been my number one in any other year. But this year it's an honorable mention because we had so many great movies for a period of time i don't think that means we're having a bad year i just think it's um you know not quite as standout for me at least as others and and you have the situation now where um you know what what's getting released how long have they been holding these movies because of what's been going on you know so it the times are a little different too i will say like if i look at my top 10 list of years past this is probably the least like knockout list for me personally Mm -hmm. since all the way back in 2015 I would probably um, say the same for me too. Yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah, but still, I, I enjoyed all the movies that's on my list this year, and there it's a great collection of films for sure. So I agree. I, I will say I don't know what our final scores are at because I asked you to keep it secret from me. Um, yes, I have an idea because we were mm-hmm. tallying them together, so I have a general idea of what films are you know in the lead of the pack for the top five anyway. Right. Um, but I will say I was surprised some of the films that made my top 10 only got like one or two honorable mention votes from the list. <laughs> and, and, and I had a couple of mine that way as well. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how our listeners felt compared to us. But we appreciate everybody who did vote. There wasn't as big a window to vote um, as there have been in years past. So mm. thanks to everybody who hustled and got those votes in. Uh, we appreciate it. And I'm going to put the names of all of those who voted 
in the show notes as well as I'm going to list everybody's all what 114 of those films that were listed. Um, we'll get a mention in the show notes, uh, cool. moviepodcast.com. But we will definitely, we're going to read out loud everybody's number ones, everything they got to vote for number one, we will read mm-hmm. on the show. And then, other than that, we're just going to do our top 10. And then we're going to do five honorable mentions for myself and the listeners. Dave, no honorable mentions this year. Nope, nope. I am not doing honorable mentions. And that's going to be my, uh, that's going to be what I'm doing going forward. I'm just going to have top 10. Controversial yeah. choice. <laughs> like it. Um, like, like I said, I mean, I, like I said, I've heard people say, you know, that it just, it, it, um, when people name a lot of movies, it takes away from, from a top 10. And for me personally, I'm thinking, you know what? I, it kind of, kind of does in a way for me, for me. Yeah. So I'm just going to say, these are my top 10. Um, but certainly nobody, cause a lot of people do have honorable mentions and, and yeah. it's certainly not something I expect anybody else to follow. Just sort of a personal, uh, it's a decision I made and that's what I'm going to do going forward. I love it. I mean, I think my favorite thing, it doesn't matter if I agree with you or not. I love it when we set rules for ourselves for these kinds of things, I think it makes it more interesting and more exciting. And personally, like I just like seeing the rankings more than even like the solid top 10. Like I'm interested. I'll, I'll look at a top 50 cause I'm curious where people slot everything, but I love the idea of just like, Hey, this is it. This is the top 10. That would be so hard for me just based on my personality. But Well, you know what? It, 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 and maybe uh, I picked the right year to do that. Because I think in (laughs) previous years, it would have been very difficult for me to have done that. (laughs) Well, then uh, here's another controversial thing. We're asking people, what was your favorite guilty pleasure of 2021? We ask people what their biggest disappointment was of 2021. Their favorite horror-adjacent film. So not necessarily a horror film, but something that might be of interest to horror fans due to the subject matter or the filmmaker or whatever it is. They can decide, you know, what that is. And then we asked people what their most anticipated horror film of 2022 was. We're already a little ways into 2022, but still um, definitely some hotly anticipated films coming later in the year. So we're going to discuss all of those things. And what we're going to do is just go round robin here. And we'll start with Dave's number 10 and then go to my number 10. And then we'll hear the listeners number 10. And we'll go round and round like that until we get to our honorable mentions. Then we'll just kind of read those off and, and discuss for the rest of the show. So, Dave, Dr. Shockbacker, what is your number 10? All right. My number 10 is actually one I discussed on uh, the previous episode, and it is the uh, micro-budget film A Ghost Waits, directed by Adam Stovall. Um, And I mentioned, as I said on the previous show, it works as horror. Um, It's about, you know, a haunted house. There's comedy in it. Uh, the fact that the ghost haunting this house is not so much, uh, you know, an angry spirit as an employee yeah. who uh, punches the clock and has to deal with, uh, you know, bosses and so forth. But there's a romantic subplot to it as well that I think is what makes this movie so unique. Now, it's shot in black and white. Um, and, uh, I, I went over the story before, but just real quick, Jack is this handyman. He goes into the property to inspect it and finds out why people keep leaving. It's cause it's haunted, haunted by Muriel played by Natalie Walker. And, and he's just, you know, he's a little, uh, frightened, but then he strikes up a friendship with her and it sort of goes from there, uh, and builds from there. And I really did. I thought that the horror worked in this. There are some, yeah scary scenes and the, there's comedy too there's one jump scare that you jump and laugh <laughs> at in this film um but it really is the relationship that develops between these two i mean when when before did we get a a uh, relationship between the living and the dead 
in in right. a uh, in a ghost movie, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, that's my number ten, a ghost waits. Very nice. I did see that one. It didn't make my list, but I enjoyed it, and uh, it was. You know, it is like a no budget. Like, yeah. Almost like you're watching like a film school film at first, but it's so interestingly done. Um, and the lead performances are actually pretty good. Right. Um, the makeup's not great, but it's, it's actually scary. And even though it's not like, per- it's not like perfect, but it is kind of still terrifying. And it's yeah, it, it, <laughs> it made it, it, it worked. You're right. They didn't, they didn't do much, but what they did, yeah. it made it work. At least with the black and white photography, it shows up. Yeah, I watched that one with a friend, and we both enjoyed it a lot. Nice. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for the recommendation on that. That is Dave's number 10. And my number 10 is a film, Dave, that you recommended to me on the last episode, and that is The Last Matinee. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you for that recommendation. Yep. Um, I love a good kind of Giallo-influenced film, and there were several of those this year, but that was one that um, really worked for me. And I, I had a lot of fun with it. It's, it's silly. It's not, it's not perfect. It, you know, it, it's silly at times, but I love a slasher. I love that kind of um, the influence that it, that it brings from those, that era of, of Italian films. And so, yeah, it was, it was a great one to watch. For and, me. and just a, like, like, like demons, just a fun one it's set in a movie theater. Yeah. And it's cool you that know. it's from Uruguay also. And, yep. and that's, you know, rare that we get a film from that part of the world. So it's a great one. Very cool. I actually have the DVD and I was listening to the um, commentary from the uh, from the director and he was just talking about all of his influences with making it. Uh, okay. And I love the fact that the killer is actual actually a famous Uruguayan director directed the movie they're watching in the theater. Yeah, that's hilarious. That was pretty cool. <laughs> really cool. All right. Yeah. So now we're on to the listeners. Number 10. Now, these this is all news to you. You, you have not you know, I, I, I had the t- tallies here. Number 10 for the listeners, Fear Street 1994. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the Fear Street films were coming in pretty strong. I noticed as we as we tallied them, some people just said, hey, the Fear Street trilogy. Which, so we even split though, it up. Yeah. Yeah, we had to split those up by points. But um, yeah, interesting. 94. Okay. Interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious one. if we'll see others on this list. Yeah, it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. But that and I enjoyed 94. I liked all three of them. Yeah. You know, I liked all three of them, but for me, 94 was like their scream. Yes. And 78 was, was Friday the 13th. And then 1666 yeah. was sort of the, the, the origin story Yeah, of everything and the wrap up, which I yeah. thought was really cool. It was a great series. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It had a very, uh, Salem, witch trials, the mm-hmm. witch kind of, and an unexpected twist at the end. Yes. Very yeah. unexpected. I did not see that coming. Yeah, personally, my favorite was 78, but um, did not make mm-hmm. my list. Spoiler alert. So we'll right. see. <laughs> All right. So we are okay. at number nine. <laughs> my number nine might be a little controversial, but it's because of where it's placed and it's Halloween kills. Interesting. Now, I will say Halloween 2018 did not make my top 10 in, in 2018. Interesting, <laughs> but I really did like, and and I, I had we talked about this when we reviewed the movie. If I had any issues, it would have been you know sort of the you know that that scene in the hospital. I I didn't wasn't as much into that, but I loved the feel of this movie. That whole scene set in the park had a real seventies vibe to it. 
from the look right down to the feel of it. And I thought it was great. And the tension that was being generated in that scene in the park. And even when they're, they come out of the bar and they see someone sitting in the car and they assume it's Michael and the kills in this are amazing. They really are. And there were fun characters as well. I, so for me, that's, yeah, that's, that's my number nine. It made the list. I had a blast watching it, uh, in the theater. Um, this, I believe was my return to theaters after the pandemic. This was the first one I saw, uh, and it was a good one. So that's my number nine. Interesting. Good one. All right. Well, my number nine is a strange little film that I didn't think would have made my list when I watched it, but it has kind of stuck with me. And that is Teddy. Uh, uh, kind of a French Napoleon dynamite with a werewolf in it is, is one of our <laughs> listeners, but I think it was Matt's etologist um, who, who said that. But now this one more reminded me of like Welcome to the Dollhouse, but uh, with a werewolf. And so, yeah, nice. kind of like a disturbing teen movie. Um, I wish there was more werewolf in it, you know, as we, and, mm-hmm. and this idea of elevated horror. I, I like it because I like high quality filmmaking in horror movies. And I like mm-hmm. the idea of bringing bigger ideas to horror i think that's what horror really excels at in a lot of ways is like taking like a big social or or political or personal idea and then distilling that through physical scares or more like uh, direct scares to like deal with those bigger existential scares i I love that idea unfortunately the thing I, i struggle with with a lot of these elevated horror films is they don't bring, I think maybe trying to stay classy, they don't always bring the horror full bore. And that is a frustration of mine. Because I would love to see a movie that dealt with, you know, ideas in an artful way and then still brought some, you know, intensity with the violence and the gore. You know, not that I, you know, I don't know. You know how horror fans are. Yeah. You know, we all, right. we're in a safe place here. It's not that you right. love to revel in well, maybe you do. Maybe you love to revel in the violence and the horror. For me, but for me, I want the to feel that impact, and that's mm-hmm. why I, I want to see it. You know, I really want to see the full impact of what these things mean. You know, right. so I would have liked to see a whole lot more werewolf in Teddy, and I'm and I'm gonna ranting more about the idea of elevated horror than I am just of Teddy specifically. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Did you I, honestly, I, I did not see Teddy. No, I did not get a chance to see it. So I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to correct that. I do want to see that. I'll be curious to see if you enjoyed it as much mm-hmm. as I did. Nice. All right. What's the listeners number nine? This one I think might surprise you a little bit. The listeners number nine, St. Maud. Oh, okay. Well, what I, I mean, I would say for similarly to the placement, I would have thought it would have done a little bit better to be honest right. with That's you. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But it made the list and um, it is a uh, it's very psychological. Yeah. You know, and I think we've talked about this one uh, before and I'm a fan. I I, I do. I I like this movie. But yeah, so that's that's the listeners. Number nine, St. Maud. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll go. I'm sure we'll talk about that more. I'm sure as we go. Well, that brings us to number eight. What do you have for us, Dave? All right. My number eight, The Medium. Oh, interesting. I enjoyed this movie. I loved the beginning of this movie, how yeah. it's sort of set up like a documentary, and you're following these characters around. I absolutely loved it. Now, as the story goes on, I thought it dragged out. It didn't drag. I didn't think it was slow at all, but it dragged out. And there were some scenes I thought, as I was watching, saying, wow, they're really sort of hammering on this and maybe they could have shortened this up a little bit. 
just as uh, in contrast to looking at some of the earlier movies, the, the Wailing, which I know you were really high on. Yeah, that movie was longer than the medium. That was a two and a half hour movie. And everything in there was like pertinent. The medium, I thought, had a few things that could have been trimmed. And it, as I said it wasn't even as long as the Wailing, but it's a strong uh, possession film and it does bring the horror. I thought I think it brings it throughout uh, as you're following mm-hmm. this young girl. Uh, and then following the medium, you know, and, and, uh, I, I did, I really thought it was a good movie. Uh, so it's my number eight. Great choice. Solid, solid choice. Um, I might, I might come up again in a, okay. in a little while, mm-hmm. but, uh, my number eight, I am going to, again, I have to credit you, uh, from our last episode, a film you introduced me to, and that's come true. Oh, Nice. Yeah, and uh, I, I really enjoyed this one. One of our listeners had the funniest review of this, and I can't find who it was. I can't figure it out. Um, so please let us know if uh, if this is you. Dang it, who was it that said this? I thought it was so funny, but they basically just said, A Nightmare on Elm Street, but make it science. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, you know what? It's Dino. Good oh, job, Dino. Dino. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> That's yeah, that's a good one. Definitely. Yeah, that cracked me up. Yeah. All right. So, well, that's uh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for that introduction to that film, Dave. I, I yes. really enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah. And now what do we have for the listeners number eight? The listeners number eight. Titan. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that is just a film. There were a couple of these this year that aren't exactly my cup of tea, but I just they wowed me. Like, yeah. wow, that was a must-see film. Not my taste in film necessarily, but you have to see it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And just, just to where it goes, oh, you know, yeah. cause you're sitting there watching where it is and you're, you're sitting, are they really taking, they're taking this in that direction. That's what they're doing. I said, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's let's yeah. see. We'll see what happens. And then what she's going through. I mean, my God, it was, it was yeah. insane. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All Dave, right. what is your number seven? Right. My number seven is The Night House. Incredible. Yeah. I just really, really enjoyed this movie. I thought, um, uh, trying to find out. The, it, had, it had a great performance by, was it Rebecca Hall? Yes, Rebecca yeah. Hall. Yeah. Rebecca Hall gave an amazing performance in this. And what I liked about it is she's dealing with her husband has uh, is dead. He's committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's dealing with all of these discoveries. And each night when she goes to sleep, something happens. And it's sort of a, a little bit more of a revelation. And the story just goes in so many different directions that um, you're not you're not quite sure where it's going to end up. But I liked her character in that she was afraid, but was still like inquisitive enough that she was exploring it. She wasn't backing down from any of it, you know, whereas we are afraid for her. She was just like going full force and saying, "Okay, I got to find out what's going on. So each time something happened, she was right there in the middle of it. So I love that about it. And I did love how you go just back and forth with what she's discovering. It's like, wow, her husband was, was this, no, he was that. Oh no, he was this. Oh, wait a second. You know, it just take, it's just, I loved it right up to the very end. I thought, um, I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. So that is my number seven, the night house. Very cool. Yeah. Great film. Um, I saw a lot of people 
it was weird. There was a lot. I feel like this was a kind of a polarizing one because mm-hmm. I saw as many people dislike it as as loved it though. Because the people I saw that liked it really liked it. Right. And um, I saw a lot of people say that it was a, a good scare. Um, they really enjoyed that. And Rebecca Hall's performance. It's funny because I don't. I'm not a huge Rebecca Hall fan. Mm-hmm. In fact, I didn't see it for a while because I'm just not a huge Rebecca Hall fan. But she, her performance is so good in this movie. Yeah, she's great. And I saw several people liking it to Tony Collette and Hereditary. Just like, wow, she brought it. Like, yeah, to that level, you know. And she definitely um, did. And then that scene in the classroom is just yeah. priceless. <laughs> I did see Greg Bench. He mentioned on his letterbox review, the lead actress had an off-putting performance. And I did, I, I, yeah, I feel like if you don't like Rebecca Hall, well, A, this might convert you like it did for me, mm-hmm. but B, it, it could be a, a reason that you maybe wouldn't enjoy this film if you just really didn't enjoy her. But, but, but boy, what an incredible performance in my opinion. Um, nice. Just an incredible, uh, yeah, exploration of grief and depression. And uh, yeah, I agree. Amazing. It was it was really strong. It really was. All right. Okay. And now, uh, well, my number, what is it? Seven. Seven. <laughs> yep. <laughs> my number seven is a film you just mentioned, The Medium. And oh, uh, awesome. This one, as you mentioned, isn't quite up to the scale of The Wailing. And there was another film, The Ape's Night, that kind of tried to do some stuff like The Wailing. I enjoyed that one as well, but um, you know, neither quite on the, that level, but still just a, a great film. And I felt like a solid entry for me at number seven. Yeah. Yep. I'm there with you. All right. What was the listeners number seven, Dave? The listeners number seven is one that I'm embarrassed to say I didn't see, especially since it was one of my most anticipated a couple years ago. And it's Antlers. Oh, wow. Okay. Antlers came in at number seven for the listeners. And I have not seen that yet. I love to see it that high. Um, and I did notice that, that was getting a ton of votes uh, as we were putting our list together today mm-hmm. for the listeners list. And I was glad to see that. I was kind of surprised, honestly, because it is a really tough, slow burn for the first half, kind of just a depressing, you know, indie drama, really, for the first half of the movie. Um, and, you know, and then there were myself and a few other people had mentioned they didn't love how it handled. Uh, indigenous people and, and mythology but uh man and i don't want to spoil it because we've gone this far without spoiling it but if right. you like the subgenre that this takes place in it's arguably the best film made of that su- particular subgenre so i understand like if you like the type of movie this is i get why this comes in strong for you it's a great entry in that type of film mm-hmm. so awesome yeah fantastic okay let's move on to Number six. Number six. And this is one I think that, again, might be a little low for some people, but I had such a blast with this movie. It is Last Night in Soho. Yeah. And that's interesting because I, you know, I've not been online that much. Um, And when I reviewed Last Night in Soho, I wasn't totally sure how I felt about it. I was really surprised to see how strong the listener response was to it. I'm glad, like pleasantly surprised, yeah. you know, it, it's so stylish. It's it such is. a cool movie to watch. And the, yeah. the way that Edgar Wright uses the music, I think this is like, this might be his, his most, um, uh, and I want to watch, I, pro, I put, you know, the, this, this is might be just sort of a leap forward for him in his craft, mm. you know, with the way he put this together. And I'm not d- downing any of his pre, I mean, I've, I've Shaun of the dead is one of my all time favorite 
movies. You know, I yeah. love Shaun of the Dead. And I like that whole trilogy. Hot Fuzz is so good. And uh, even I'm Baby Driver is a fun movie. You know, I everything Edgar Wright has done, I've enjoyed. But last night in Soho, there's just something about it. Just everything clicks so well. Um, yes. The strong performances by the two actresses. And just what the way he the way he designed it, going up the stairs and you see the reflection of one and, and as the other is going, you know, that, that you get the idea that this this same person and and um that one has traveled to the past. And I love that there are the three time periods that I would love to visit. And I think I might have said this on on uh, when we did our list on Land of the Creeps. I would have loved going back to the 1920s to watch the New York Yankees play. Because my grandfather was a Philadelphia A's fan and he actually, his friend had a house across the street and he was on the roof back before they built the fence up. And he said, Babe Ruth hit a, a, a ball into his friend's backyard. He didn't get it because other people had jumped in and gotten it. I would have loved to have seen that. I would have loved going to the 19th, early 30s to watch some of the um, pre-code movies in the theater like the gangsters, the horror, all of those to see them on the big screen and to just be around when those movies were released. And I would have loved to have gone to the swing in sixties in London. I would oh, have loved yeah. to have visited that. And I think he captures that so wonderfully when she walks out and oh, up there, yeah. you see what was on the marquee thunderball on the yeah. marquee. It really does give you, it brings you into the excitement of that place and time. And what so, would have that been like for him? That's so cool. You know, like for him as a, as someone from England, I bet there was so much fun for him to depict you know, his home in the era that he was a little kid, you know, yes. that's got, got to be awesome. Absolutely. And I, then it's just, uh, for me, I, and again, I, it's one, it's one of the ones that I've seen this year. And there's a couple that didn't make my list that are at the top of, I want to rewatch them. And last yeah. night in Soho is one I definitely want to see again very soon. Oh, very cool. Yeah. It's an excellent pick, Dave. It's an excellent pick and it is going to be coming up on a lot of lists here, uh, mm-hmm. today. So, Look forward to more talk about that. I want to talk about uh, my number six film is Censor. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, it takes place in the world of video nasties. We haven't talked about this on the, the podcast yet. So I just want to yep. briefly let people know um, it's about a film censor in Enid. And sh- her work is to basically protect audiences from some of the more gruesome elements in the video nasties. There is, uh, you know, a personal connection there for me. Cause I, I made this movie clean flicks that kind of deals with film censorship in this exact right, way. Right. So that was kind of fun to, to look at. Um, but it's also, I love movies that deal with kind of the film industry, especially horror films, but like uh, blowout is maybe one of my all time favorite films, Brian De Palma's, movie right. but then also like barbarian sound studio and even the editor i just love movies like this that kind of play in this type of world there's a great movie and it gets wild movie. and it's so psychological uh, at the end yeah. one of the things i loved about it is it didn't demonize these censors and it's very easy to do that if you're making a horror yeah. film and you look at that time period these are the enemy you know, the, the, right. these, yeah. these, the BBFC, they're the enemy who are banning all of these movies, but it didn't demonize Enid or her associates. It just showed them as yeah. people doing a job who at times were held in check for it. They passed a movie that supposedly had, you know, influ- uh, uh, inspired someone to commit a real life crime. And then they were on the hook answer for it. You know, why did you pass yes. this movie? Um, but at the same time, with that last act, it shows you that it is not movies, but trauma that leads to violence. 
Yeah. So you have Enid, this one who's she's safeguarding, but then something happens that it shows you that no, it's not movies that does it. It's it's trauma, and she yes. had a very big trauma in her life. Yes. And I love that. I thought that was that was great. Yeah, I would love to talk about this one more in depth, like on a future review. We should do it yeah. in, in the near future. But. I agree. What do the listeners have for us? All right, the listeners at number six. It was my number seven, The Night House. Oh, nice. Yep, so that, that one came in. Uh, should I be doing the points, or does that even matter? No, we don't uh, have to do the points. We can if they're close. I mean, though, if, if it gets interesting, like it's a close margin, you could talk about how many points. Okay, that... okay so uh, the Night House beat out Antlers by four points. Oh, wow. They're coming at number six. Um, Antlers had, uh, well, I won't I won't say the total, but it beat Antlers by four points. And, uh, you know, we've already talked about it. So, uh, yeah, that the listeners have The Night House at number six. Interesting. Yeah, great film. Um you know, again, a little bit divisive, but those mm-hmm. who loved it really loved it. And, um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great film. I mean, uh, it also one thing we haven't talked about just the cinematography. It's incredible. It really is. Yeah, it really is. All right. We've made it halfway. We're okay. halfway there. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, this should be exciting. Getting to the top five. Yep. Number five. Into the top five. All right. My number five uh, is one I saw sort of right at the end there. It is The Vigil. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have not seen this one yet. This is, uh, it's it's interesting because it takes, uh, what it does is it sort of starts off with this um, uh, title screen to explain what, what The Vigil is. And it says, for thousands of years, religious Jews have practiced the ritual of The Vigil. Uh, when a member of the community dies, the body is watched around the clock in shifts by a shomer or watchman who recites the Psalms to comfort the deceased soul and protect it from unseen evil. This watchman is typically a family member or friend, but there are paid shomers. Okay. And that's what this is. There, there's a, there's a young, uh, a, a young man, um, I'm trying to find his, uh, yeah, Yakov played by Dave Davis. He was ascetic. Yeah. He became, what's, what's that? What's a country? Yes, right. <laughs> Yakov, yes. Um, well, he left uh, the religion and he, yeah. be, he joined this support group for other uh, Hasidic Jews who had left the religion. But, um, you know, he, he's, he just he, he was grew up in Borough Park, Brooklyn, and he left it. Uh, but he's having a hard time making money. He's having a hard time adapting in the outside world. So Reb Shulem, who was a member of his former Orthodox community and is trying to get him back into the fold, offers to pay him cash to sit as a shomer for the night for the recently deceased who was a Holocaust survivor named Ruben Litvak, played by Ronald Cohen, who lives yeah. with his wife. And it's interesting because Ronald Cohen and his real life wife, Lynn Cohen, um, uh, play this, uh, this elderly couple, oh, the deceased and his wife. Yeah. Um, and he never left his house. But it seems like an easy payday, but it becomes a living nightmare for Yakov because he's tormented by a mazik, an unseen demon that feeds off his fear and pain. And he does have a, 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 a tragedy in his past that has sort of made him withdraw. And this mizak attaches itself. What happened was it was attached to Mr. Um, uh, Litvak and he died and it needs a new home. Yeah. So, but with Yakov being there, and he has to figure out a way to break this curse. I really loved th- this sort of look into another um, faith, yeah. another, uh, another culture in a way, 
Um, and the fact that it does bring the horror to, I thought was strong because as he's sitting there, this Mizak is playing with him. I mean, it becomes just as much psychological as it does like actual physical horror. And you get both of them in this movie. And he's got to figure out a way to break this curse or this Mizak, or he can never leave the Litvak's house again. This, this wow. Mizak will never let him leave again if he does not. And he has until sunup the next day to figure out how to break this curse. So wow. it's, it's tense. Um, and I thought that the cast was strong. I think Dave Davis did a great job as Yakov. Um, you only get to see, uh, Mr. Litvak in like video. Uh, he's sort of explaining what it is that attached himself to him. And we even get scenes, um, set during world war two, where you get an idea of why this Mizak uh, attached itself. It was, it's a good movie. It really is. I would be yeah. very interested to hear what you have to say uh, about it when you get a chance to see it. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it now. I remember you mentioning this now that you, now that you talk about it and mm-hmm. uh, I wish I'd gotten around to it. Shoot. No problem. I mean, there's a, this is one of those years for me too. There were a lot of just, there were a lot of movies out there. There I mean, are. I didn't get to antlers, you know, yeah. just a ton of movies. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. So, uh, the vigil, Dave's number five. Yep. My number five is one we just talked about last night in Soho. Nice. And yeah, it's, it is a really great film. And I think, you know, I mean, Edgar Wright is, I think a master of the cinema, but he has made comedies and although comedies are hard and I think we underestimate how, you know, oftentimes actors will even say that comedies are more difficult than, than drama. Right. Um, for some reason, you know, it's just our nature. You know, I think it, you, it takes seeing him do a drama to take him seriously in the same way you take seriously some of the other greats, you know, right. Cause everything he's done, you know, baby driver, arguably not, but I think still are, is a comedy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, especially the films that he made with Simon Pegg and Nick yes. Frost, those are, heavily comedy and very um, funny and very funny movies too. great films yeah and i <laughs> yeah. love all of his movies but i yeah. especially love the cornetto trilogy yeah. i'd love to see more films with those three i think just they're some of my favorite people when they're together mm-hmm. um i i liked scott pilgrim and baby driver as well but this was yeah just an incredible uh, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it's hard for me to say. Is it a step up for him? I don't know. But I think it's. I feel it's a step forward. And again, yeah. it's. I, I hate to do that because you feel like you're. You're sort of. Uh, you know, uh, putting down his previous work, which I don't want to do because, like you, yeah. I, as I mentioned, I love them as well. But this is just like him doing things that. Not that I didn't think he was capable of them, because you see traces of this in other movies, and especially Baby Driver. I thought you could see a little bit of this style there. Yeah. But it just gels so wonderfully. The 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 music, the the cinematography, the performances, the story, everything about it, and just yeah. the, the the to the set design, to the way the 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 amount of the imagination that went into yeah. it. It's just really really amazing. Yeah, which I think I mean again, like he, it's been there. Like I mean, Scott Pilgrim is one of the most imaginative movies. You can ever imagine, but because it's a little cartoonish, it's based on a graphic novel. It's dealing, you know, dealing in the world of video games. You know, it's just it's easy to discount that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a more mature effort, I suppose. Um, not that I'm looking for mature efforts from Edgar Wright. Like I, I right. as, as much <laughs> as I love this movie, I would like ten more hot fuzzes. But uh, 
this is this is fantastic and uh, the only thing that held back for me at all is some of the cgi i I wish had just been you know kind of practical more but um but still like in the scare you know in the really scary stuff when they went cgi i just thought why right um but no yeah an excellent film again i think we're gonna see this pop up again i'm I'm sure i'm sure yep (laughs) fantastic one and then Dave, what do the listeners have at number five? At number five. Um, and this one uh, actually was only four points behind number four, which we'll get to. But oh, wow. number five is A Quiet Place Part Two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Excellent well, film. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great, it's a great movie. It was just rough because this one felt more like just a, a standard post-apocalyptic film than the original did. Um, but I but it's still fantastic and such a nice tying together of that story you know and the the continuation of that family story and it just it ties all the pieces together very nicely it does and while we are here we will read our listener review for this one i did invite people to submit many reviews for their number one film we just got a handful of them and we will read all of them as we get to them this one is from mitchell hulker i think that's how you pronounce that's what it would be if it was dutch it might be hulker Okay. Um, Mitchell says a much anticipated sequel to one of the best horror films of the 2010s, a quiet place. Part two brought the scares to cinemas and living rooms alike. The delayed release may have impacted viewers experiences as monsters, scares and thrilling scenes led by a phenomenal cast still felt fresh and new for this 2021 creature feature sequel. They'll find yourself on the edge of your seat or couch. Well, from the opening scene up to the satisfying climax. All right. And and I'm with him. Okay. Well, that brings us to number four. And my number four is the listeners. Number nine, St. Maud. Oh, nice. I just, this movie for me, um, it was very psychological. You're following this, this lead character and, and what some of what she's going through, you know, she's very religious and she's, um, becomes a caretaker for yeah. Jennifer Eel, the, the, uh, the actress. And, and what really got me about this movie though, is that it's a first time director because I love some of the, some of the decisions she made Yes, in putting this together. Um, especially that last 10 minutes where you're seeing her perception to the reality. And you only really get that like briefly, but I loved that about it. How this, this girl just sees herself as the savior and almost like a martyr, like she sees herself as St. Maud. Um, but then it starts to bring the heart and you don't, you don't really know, you get the idea it's all in her head, but it doesn't make it any less terrifying as you get to the end of the movie. No. And I talked about the CGI I didn't love in Last Night, and so the CGI in St. Maude is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> I love it. Cool. All right. Well, my number four is a film that did not give get much love from the listeners, but, uh, man, I just loved it so much. The Power oh. is, man, I thought that was such a great movie. It really wowed me. Um, I felt like, I feel like this movie, the way a lot of people felt about St. Maude, I think, um, I, you know, for me, 2021 and 2020, but even more 2021 in my personal life was kind of defined by trauma. And so my top five, especially, I mean, of course, all horror in some ways deals with, with trauma, right, but, um, right. but really my top five are all specifically about trauma. 
and and those are just the movies that spoke to me. And I realized as I was putting my list together, like, why is this one, you know, speaking to me so much more than this one? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's because of the subject matter. And I think um, there is something in horror that that I love that offers catharsis for some of the you know traumatic experiences we can go through in life mm -hmm. and i felt like the the power like brought me to tears uh, i was just like really impressed with it and it, and i've seen some people say that the scares were too few and too far between but i didn't think so you know? i didn't think I, so either i, I wouldn't I, you know it, it and it did not make my list but i did enjoy this movie and i thought what was interesting is where it starts you think that it's called the power for one uh, reason, but where it yeah. goes at the end, you realize where the title, what the title really means. Yeah. And well, and all throughout it deals with power dynamics and it deals mm -hmm. with kind of like bullying and it deals with, uh, you know, uh, like male and female marginalizing power. people. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it, yeah. And it deals with the way that the poor are treated, you know, and, and, you know, there's a film lucky that treads on some similar, ground and i thought I, even though i thought that one movie was very creative and did some interesting things ultimately it just felt too on the nose for me and this one didn't uh, you know i feel like it just deals with some of these ideas of women not being believed and like things that right. like it's i feel like this does it in such a organic way i never felt like i was being preached to i was really in this character's headspace yeah you know and, and that is a that is a creepy setting I yes. mean, you, you get a hospital in the dark, but honestly, like that was not the kind of movie I was in the mood for. Like I, I avoided watching this movie for a long time because, you know, there's the whole Halloween two empty hospital thing. Right. And there's so many horror movies that are just like in a big empty space by yourself. And I just, I'm just not in the mood for something like that. I'll, I'll get around to it. And I loved it. You know, it I, I, it's a good, one. you know, and yeah. And I love the setup also that there's this. Union, they talk about unions a lot and the, again there's like the power and like where does this power lie you know and and in this case these unions are shutting down you know the power grid and there's all these rolling blackouts and and now this this young new nurse on her first night of work has to deal with the ramifications not only of that but of uh, what else has kind of been left behind in the dark for her to deal with so right good one okay what is the listeners number four this listener's number four, I think, is even going to be more surprising for its placement. Their number four is Halloween Kills. Oh, wow. I thought for sure that would be number one. I That's was thinking really at least number one or number two. I really was. I thought it'd be in the top two. It came in at number four and only beat A Quiet Place Part Two by four points. I got to say, um, two of the films that I thought were going to be in the top four have already been mentioned now for the listeners. So um, <laughs> I'm really curious to see what their top three are. It's going to be yeah. fascinating. Okay. Absolutely. Interesting. Okay. We've made it to the top three. Okay, man. Top three films of 2021 from The Wolfman, Dr. Shock, and the HMP listeners. What do you got for us, Doc? All right. My number three is one that has already been mentioned. Titan. Oh, wow. Nice. I'm telling yeah, I'm telling you, I was just I was I was blown away by this movie. I mean, you get that yeah. incredible scene at the beginning and then where it's going, where the story ultimately goes. I was like edge of my seat watching this thing, watch this play out. Just her um, you know, interacting with this new life. And and it's funny because it uh, you find yourself on her side, yeah. but she's not a good person. 
Right. <laughs> you know, she's not someone you would normally be rooting for. Right. She's done some <laughs> terrible, terrible things. Even even in those early scenes where she's a kid, you don't really like her. <laughs> right. But yet you find yourself rooting for her. And 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 wanting to actually see where you know what's going to happen and and um it's just a it's it's bizarre, but it was just sort of gloriously bizarre. I loved yes. it. I really did. Yeah. Cannot fault you there. It is a one of a kind film and um incredible achievement, I yeah. think, this year. And the I listeners liked it as well. Yeah, they're number eight film. All right. Well, my number three is a film that was one of my absolute most anticipated of this year and last year, 2021 and 2020. Um, <laughs> it was a film that got pushed back. And it was a film that before I got a chance to see it, uh, a horror fan who I, whose opinion I trust because he's an intelligent guy said, Oh, you're going to be disappointed in Candyman." And I said, Oh no, don't tell me that. I don't want to, oh. <laughs> I'm looking forward <laughs> to it so much. And so I don't, I almost wonder if it's because I went in with lowered expectations that that actually may have backfired and um, caused me to like it, like be pleasantly surprised. But I just absolutely loved this retelling of Candyman by Nia DaCosta. It's, it's a sequel. It's an expansion of the universe. It's a, yes. it's a retreading and a reboot. It's, it kind of does it all. And um, wow, I absolutely loved Candyman. And and you know what I I, I there were I, I loved how it, you're right it was a sequel and it was sort of taking it forward it was almost making the original film sort of mythic in a way in yeah. the way it was retelling um, that story yeah uh, and then carrying carrying it forward and I liked the artistic angle oh definitely it. yeah you know there's there's that great scene where where he's just like they mentioned my name. Yeah, you know, I loved it. I loved how they they took that character and they they sort of um, transformed it. They made it, you know, it wasn't just Candyman anymore. It was like a progression. Yes, you know, I thought that yeah, was this huge expansion of the. I mean, it, you could basically tell a Candyman story at any time period in any way now, thanks to. Yes. I, and that's really cool. I thought I thought it was a strong one too. Really cool. Really cool. All right. That is my number three. And Dave, what is the listeners pick for number three? The listeners number three are in step with you, sir. It is Candyman. Very nice. They, they uh, you, 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 you're right in line with them on this one. Um, and this one uh, with number four was Halloween Kills. This one actually finished 10 points ahead of Halloween Kills. Oh, wow. Yep. Awesome. So that there you go. That uh, the number three is uh, is Candyman. Very cool. I'm glad other people liked it so much. I would still love to do a versus episode on this one as well. So yes, yes. Coming up in the near future. That brings us to number two. And my number two is one that you have already mentioned. It is come true. Oh, nice. I was Very just, nice. I was just mesmerized watching this movie and it, it was the concept yeah. of you know it's about this young girl she's looking for a place to stay so she signs up for a sleep study you know and we don't know a whole lot about her backstory and why she's like the trouble she's having at home we don't learn a lot about that so she's looking for a place to sleep and she has friends and she's sort of hitting them up she's sleeping in parks so she signs up for a sleep study mostly to have a place to stay 
but it's not just a sleep study. It's this sort of, um, you know, as the listener said, you got a nightmare on Elm Street, uh, but with science, like Dino said. Um, and that's what <laughs> this movie is. But it's primordial. It's saying that we all have the same dream. It's sort of encoded into us. And I loved where it ultimately went. And you get this major reveal at the end that was just kind of like, wow. Um, so, yeah, every moment of this movie, I was in tune with it. And I'm talking from the, the way that the, the tone of it at the beginning, right up to the end and everything that played out. I was yeah. just absolutely mesmerized with this movie. Awesome. And I'm looking forward to actually checking it out again now that I know what happens and seeing what the clues are that they're leaving. If there yeah. are clues that they're leaving throughout. I'm, I'm really anxious to see this one again. Definitely one that warrants a revisit for sure. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. I can't wait to do it. Ooh. All right. And then <clears throat> that brings us to my number two, which again has been mentioned. I think that's kind of the territory we're in now, but uh, the night house. Oh, awesome. Nice. Awesome movie. Yeah. That really rocked me when I saw that. I was just, okay. Like that. Um, as I said, like, trauma depression <laughs> like right, there's, right. A lot, there's a lot going on in these movies but um this one handled it so well and it was so cathartic uh for me i just i just absolutely loved the night house yeah and again i'm not a huge rebecca hall fan so she completely won me over like it was hard for me to it, there were a few films where i just thought like i i know they're gonna be good i've heard they're good but i just don't you know i'm like kind of putting it off because i didn't really want to watch it and then sat down and was like okay wow all right well that that's getting close to my number one movie of the year <laughs> <laughs> and there were such good great scenes in it i mean you've got um you know several effective jump scares yes um and and there's one that i think that got me the most that was set outside and i don't want to say too much of, about it where there's just this like i don't i don't even go any further i just want people to see this movie if they haven't seen it yes all right and what is the listeners Number two. The listener's number two is actually the one that got the most number one votes. Oh. Uh, by one over the, the number one. But it got the, it got six votes for number one, Malignant. Oh, wow. Okay, interesting. It interesting. is interesting. You know what? I, I liked Malignant. I did. I liked Malignant. It did not make my list. But I did like the experience of Malignant. You know, it and it, and it what ha it goes way. Uh, <laughs> I almost want to say over the top. At at the right. end, oh, it, oh, more than I would. I, I think over the top is a fair statement for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean it, it is but, a wild movie. I mean, it's it the is. funny thing is, it's like everyone before I saw it was likening it to a like some, some people have said giallo, like likening it to Italian horror. And that's definitely in there, but this also has some like, some like Hong Kong movie like vibes to it. This has got mm -hmm. like major Hen and Lauder vibes to it <laughs> as well, and uh, is a wild movie. I have to give James Wan credit for this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This this actually has had um, uh, looking at it now, it had more number one votes than the number one film. Well, yeah, yeah. And so then, if people are wondering how that happens, that means that. 
you know, we, we took all of the scores for first, second, third, fourth, and then so and weighted them. So maybe yeah. this one got less number one votes, but it may have gotten more down the line and three, four, five. Oh, it, it definitely did because the number one movie beat Malignant in both second, crushed it in third place, um, and actually wow. they tied in fourth place. So, yeah, that's that's really what ultimately did it. And it was only one vote behind. It was only one vote more for Malignant than the number Whoa. one. Whoa. Yeah, only Whoa. one more. Only one more. Oh, only one more person, but not points. Point. Yeah. One more person, not points. Yeah, one more person. Right. You know, right. um, and this actually, um, Malignant was 20 points over Candyman. Wow, okay. All right, and then we did, you know, have listeners write in with reviews of their number one film, and we did get a few for Malignant. Up first, we have one from Jason Strong. Jason says, what can I say about Malignant? This film checks all of the boxes for me. It's over the top, as you said there, Doc. Violent, hilarious, and it isn't content to play things safe. I was sold on it within the first few minutes. As it progressed, my jaw got closer and closer to the floor. I can only hope its small but vocal contingent of fans and James Wong's cachet will be enough to secure a sequel. That's from Jason Strong. Yeah, we'll see. I I think James Wong can probably do anything he wants at this point. So, Yep. I agree. Oh, Sean awesome. Smith said number one for 2021. James Wan is one of the modern masters of horror, having launched three successful franchises and grossed more than $3.7 billion worldwide in his filmmaking career so far. What I love is that he has the clout to make whatever film he wants, and he decides to stay in the horror genre and make this incredible original horror movie for fans. I love every aspect of this movie, from the story to the technicals to the performances to the great visual and practical effects. I had such a great time watching this movie in the cinema, and I saw it three times and loved it more each time. Gabriel is the perfect horror villain, and I would love to see the merch for this character increase. The bottom line is this movie is by far, you know, Gabriel would make, just as a side note, a great action figure. <laughs> that would be cool, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the bottom line is this movie is by far the best pure horror movie I saw in 2021, and I watched 107 of them. Malignant is a 9.5 out of 10 and a pure cinema watch recommendation and a wow. must buy on Blu-ray. It is my undisputed number one horror movie of 2021. Sorry, A Quiet Place Part 2. <laughs> well written, Sean Smith. Yeah, that's great. Okay, and that brings us to the top. Our number one horror movies of 2021. Dr. Shock. Okay. Um, well, you know, in, in the past, I've always sort of, uh, uh, I've had some surprises at number one in past years. Yeah. I think I might surprise you a little bit, uh, hmm. Wolfman, uh, in, with this one. But uh, it is not a movie that um, is, has flown under your radar. My number one for 2021 is A Quiet Place Part Two. Whoa! You have... Definitely shocked me. Very interesting. <laughs> okay. All right. For me, for me, this movie. Now, the first one is untouchable. It was my number two that year. But that, let's yeah. be honest, that was a stronger year. Yeah. That was a stronger year when the first A Quiet Place came out. Definitely. This movie, though, I was just absolutely enthralled 
with oh, wow. every aspect of it. I loved that opening where they sort of gave you the backstory of what happened. And, that and so you, good. It yeah. really was. It was just tremendous. And to, you know, following the family as they continued on their journey. And even when they branched off and you had like they had split up and they'd gone in different directions. Both of them, I thought both of those stories were equal and just thrilling, you know, yeah. I, and to the point that that, you know, it, it, it really was just like, where's this what's going to happen? Where is this going to go? And I loved where it went. I loved how it set up for a third one. And I believe they've just announced a third one is in the works. That's so great. That's exciting. Yeah. And and I just so for me, this was the experience of watching a movie in 2021. This is what I was like. I wanted all of my the movies that I saw to this is the effect I wanted them to have on me. And A Quiet Place awesome. Part Two had that effect. Yeah, I loved it. I did love it. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I'll I'll talk about that maybe more after we wrap up. But I love that. I love that. That's your pick. That's extremely interesting pick for me. But you know, I you know, I uh, I see it still. You know, it's a mm -hmm. very high quality film, and uh, the listeners agreed with you as well. So that's great. Yeah, that's great, Dave. Um, my number one is, is maybe a little controversial. I don't know. Um, I, I also usually like, sometimes I, what I think is the best cinematic film of the year is the one that lands in my number two place. And the one that lands in my number one place is the one that means the most to me personally is, is oftentimes how I handle that this year, <clears throat> um, is not different. And, and I think the thing that's surprising about it is that it's just, for me at least, um, is that it's like kind of the biggest mainstream movie of the year, and that is Halloween Kills. My number oh, one. Awesome. Nice. And um, I know this was a controversial film. For some, it still obviously did very well in our, in our ranking here amongst the listeners because it's just such a... It's a film that everybody saw. You know, it's always going to... Films this big are always going to rank highly um, on the listener list. Um, but... You know, there was a lot of um, there were a lot of Halloween fans that had problems with this movie, and I, mm -hmm. I, 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 I do understand why, but I just, you know, I was so removed from the fandom at the time that I saw this movie. I'd kind of, you know, been checked out and in my own my own personal horror movie <laughs> for a lot of right. the year. And so um, I had no idea what the buzz was around this movie when we sat down to record our review. I, I had no idea like what other people thought of it. I just knew how excited I was. And that was the first time I started learning like, Oh, like this is not, this is not roundly adored, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, but it was by me, man, this, I love this so much again, like the word for me this year, you know, I've already said trauma is actually catharsis. Like so many of the fil horror films that I loved really gave me that cathartic feeling Mm -hmm. that I love when horror movie can deliver. Like it really, it, you face your fear and, um, and you face the pain and the injury and then you come out and hopefully you survive. Not many survivors here, but <laughs> you know, like uh, that's such a great thing that horror movies can deliver uh, for viewers. And so, yeah, that's what I really appreciate about this one. And I absolutely loved it. Cannot wait for Halloween ends. Uh, so much fun. Super I, fun. I, I, I feel the same way. And what I liked about, about this one, and, and I had mentioned how Halloween 2018 was not in my top 10, but I still really liked it. 
that was yeah. a, still a really strong movie. Um, this one, it's and you know because it's the middle chapter, it's the Empire Strikes Back of this three movies. You know where you're not. It's going to you're going to get the darkness at the end. You know, I know a yeah. lot of people had issues with the very end. But, I mean, you know, think of Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back did not end on an up note. Right. You know, it basically was setting everything up for that last chapter. And going into Halloween Kills, everyone knows there's a third movie coming up. Real interesting. The day I saw this, we had gone to Monster Mania at, uh, at Oak, in Oaks, PA. And Nathan Bartleball yeah. and Steve Morgan had driven up. And the three of us had gone to that convention. And so we had just seen this movie. And uh, of course, Halloween was what everybody was talking about. And this was in o- October, right. like I think it was October 22nd that we went to Monster Mania and, and uh, uh, to that convention. And one of the th- things I saw that I thought it's just stuck with me. There was a T-shirt that was being sold at one of the booths. And it said, if Lori kills Michael, we riot. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought that was just really because it shows just the love for this franchise. You know that, and this is a franchise that is now what? How many? It's it's well forty plus years old, starting with nineteen seventy eight, yeah. which most people still hold as one of the greatest horror movies ever made, if not the greatest horror movie ever made. Yeah. Um, and it's gone through so many evolutions, so many timelines that start and stop, and then back up and go into different directions, but it yes. still, it still prevails. There's something yeah. about that basic story that still prevails and we're seeing it in this new trilogy. So like you, I mean, I'm a fan of this. It made my top 10. It was lower obviously, but it made my top 10 and I cannot wait for Halloween ends. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this, I think this honors the legacy of the franchise so well um, in so many different ways, but then it also does th- things that the franchise has never done before in really th- interesting thematic ways, like really exciting thematic ways, I think. Yeah. Um, and it asks questions that a franchise like this has never even bothered to answer, which I say that as this being probably my favorite horror franchise. Like I absolutely love it, but you know, mm-hmm. H2O and Halloween 2018 both dealt with trauma. Yeah. This gives power back to those who have been traumatized and they take it into their own hands. And there's so much like for me, just so much joy and anger and like excitement there. But then it does this amazing thing where it flips out on its head in a time when there's so much civil unrest and like division you can understand through Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter and all of these different things that have happened. There's so much discontent in the world and so many people want like reparations, for lack of a better word, for like the, the horrors that have happened to them. And and we want those things, but then you also see the other side of that. Like, what happens when you get the revenge you want, and what is the downside of mob mentality? And it's just a fascinating movie that I feel like is so applicable to the world we're living in. And it doesn't give easy answers or even maybe any answers, which I also appreciate. Like, it just it's grappling with all of the things that like are going on in the world right now and, and does it in the way that horror movies can do best, which is through, you know, a monster. And, um, I love it. Like, you know, they get, now what happens when you get the chance to kill your monster? Does it change you, you know, and so many interesting things going on. I absolutely love it. So yeah, just an incredible movie. 
One of the underrated scenes in Halloween Kills, and I did not, I had forgotten to mention it when I would mention, talked about it, is with everything going on, and it's a crazy movie. There's there's wild stuff going on throughout this film. But that scene with Will Pat and Jamie Lee Curtis in the hospital room, uh-huh. where they're just sort of, of bonding with each other over missed opportunities, over, you know, what what's going, I, I thought that was such a strong, I mean, Will Patton is, I think, a very underrated actor. Yeah. I've liked him in everything I've seen. What was a boarding school, which made my list a few years ago, he was awesome in boarding school. He was, like, great in that movie. And I think he's great in Halloween Kills, too. He's one of the greats, for sure. Yep. And under, underrated for his generation somehow, but one of the greats, for sure. Yep. Yeah. I love, there's so many little things. I mean, we talked about a lot of them when we reviewed the movie, but I love just, like, this idea of everyone blames themselves for right. Michael. Right. Like, that's so interesting <laughs> that everyone's like, it's my fault this is happening, and I'm the one who's got to put a stop to it. Like, three or four characters must say that during the course of the film, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then I love that there's a moment where, you know, I mean, uh, light, light, light spoilers, but I'm still going to keep it unspoiled. But, you know, Sheriff Bracken and Tommy Doyle get a chance to lay waste to Michael for a minute there. And you yep. almost don't want him to like you see it's to- you see how it's turning them into monsters a little bit, you know, and yep, it's like exactly it's uh, it's a really powerful. Movie, like your, and of course, the sequences with Big John and Little John are amazing. They're amazing. And the flashback sequences are unthinkably awesome to me. Like, yep. I love them. It's funny because I, I've, I've heard a few people uh, uh, be a little critical of um, the uh, the Donald Pleasance. I mean, I you know, get it. On one hand, like, I, yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, I just think it's cool. <laughs> I do, too. Yeah. I think it's awesome. You know, I thought it might have been like a CGI creation or something. But then when I went to that Monster Mania, the actor who played... Dr. Loomis, I don't know about yes. the voice or anything else, he was wearing a mask, was there signing autographs. The guy who actually appeared in Halloween Kills was one of the autographs, uh, along with Nick Castle. Nick Castle was also there at Monster Mania, which was pretty cool. Um, but uh, and I saw that, I was like, whoa, I thought that was mostly like CGI or, you know, they were sort of recreating him. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a guy wearing a Loomis mask. That's amazing. Okay. Well, we're here. This is my most exciting moment of the year for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What is the listener pick for the number one horror movie of 2021? It is a movie that has made both of our lists. Okay. Edgar Wright's last night in Soho. Whoa. That is Is, amazing. uh, The number one that coming. No, I, I thought it would have made maybe the top three. I didn't know that it would make number one. And it beat Malignant, the number two, by 20 points. Okay, wow. You know, Malignant was 20 points ahead of Candyman. Last Night in Soho is 20 points ahead of Malignant. Interesting. Okay, wow. All right, well, we've got a review here from listener Trey Whetstone, so we'll we'll go to that. Uh, Awesome. Trey says, hey, guys, my number one horror movie this year was Last Night in Soho. This is Edgar Wright at the top of his game. This twisting giallo-like tale gets brutal when it needs to, while still building deep and interesting characters. One of my favorite of Wright's films and a breakout performance from Mackenzie. I agree with that also. Yeah, she, I mean, I mean, Jojo Rabbit is hard to beat, but this was a, right. Oh <laughs> yeah, was a, yeah. But this just, was another was, another breakout she, performance. She was incredible in this movie. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. 
I agree. I agree. Well, that's exciting. I'm um, just real quick. I just want to sort of go over the um uh, with the listeners, the movies that finished nine and ten. Yeah. I thought this is interesting because I think this might be a first. And uh, number ten was Fear Street, 1994, and number nine was Saint Maud. Neither of those two got a single number one vote. Oh, interesting. Oh, everything from eight up did get at least one number one vote. But St. Maud and Fear Street 1994 did not get a single number one vote. However, some of the movies in honorable mentions did get number one votes. Oh, well, when we get to those, you have to let us know which ones those were. Absolutely. Yep. That's exciting. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move into our honorable mentions, and we'll just go in the same order. We'll have uh, Dr. Shock, the Wolfman, and the listeners. But rather than going round robin for this, we will just read them all out at once. And after that, we are also going to get into our uh, most anticipated and biggest disappointments and stuff like that, for which I will be surprising Dave this time around. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Dave. <laughs> Why don't you give us... Oh, you don't have any honorable I don't have any. I don't have any uh, honorable mentions. Mine will be very quick. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I am going to give my five honorable mentions here. And uh, I will... <laughs> I will say... Three that just missed it, which will be very controversial, I think, are The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, The Quiet Place Part 2, and Malignant. All three not making my honorable mentions, just barely. Wow, and they were in the listeners' top five? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, or two of them were in the top five, yeah. All of these got at least one vote, and in many cases, multiple votes on the listener list, but I don't think any of them have been brought up yet. So here are my uh, five honorable mentions in reverse order. Um, that is Fear Street 1978. Nice. Ghostbusters Afterlife. The Block Island Sound. Did you see that one, Dave? I didn't. I did not see oh. that one. Werewolves Within, which um, I wasn't sure how much I liked it when I first saw it, but it's really grown on me. I, and so, I, it's the same with me. I think that's such a fun movie. You know, it is fun. It, what was the one from last year that you didn't care as much about? Um, Wolf for Snow Hollow, but I've ended up that's I've come around on that one as well. Oh, cool. Because this is and a fun movie. It really is. And the characters are and, and I loved how the, the, the main guy, he's just so upbeat and, and so positive yeah. all the time. And I, I, I thought this say, was a fun movie. And I got to say, the Block Island sound, that has Jim Cummings from The Wolf of Snow Hollow in it as oh, well. Oh, nice. He makes an appearance in that. And I have, um, this might be actually even, this might be uh, breaking news, but I, it, come, it comes from a, a trustworthy source that Jim Cummings is appearing in an upcoming Christopher Nolan film and possibly an upcoming Scorsese film. So Ooh. Uh, big things from him since he Holy graduated. Cow. I think it was probably Halloween Kills. They got him on the mainstream radar, so that is and boy, you Nolan and Scorsese, that's amazing. Yeah. What, oh, um, God, and then God, my, now uh, I got to go out to Scorsese. I always love a new Scorsese film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then my final honorable mention is Boys from County Hell. So ah, that's a good. You know what? That gave such an interesting spin on on that mythos. Yes. You know, it really did. It went back to the roots of it. But changed it up entirely. Yes. And I, I thought that was such a fun movie. I, I agree with you. I loved it. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Cool. Okay. What does the listener's uh, honorable mention list look like? All right. Well, I'm going to go from the bottom to the top. And it's very interesting because the bottom one 
number five, got the most number one votes. Okay. And it is the uh, Astron 6-influenced Psycho Goreman. Oh, nice. The Medium, which both of us have already talked about. Mm-hmm. Fear Street 1666. Okay. Number two, Fear Street 1978. Okay. So all three of the Fear Streets um, made uh, either the top ten or the honorable mentions. Fear Street 1666 did not get any number ones. Personally, that was my favorite of the three. And I loved all three of them. I liked all three of them. But for me, I really liked 1666. I thought that was really strong. Nice. And then the number one honorable mention is one that made your list. It is Censor. Awesome. Yep. Very cool. All right. One that just missed. One that just missed by one point hitting an honorable mention is In the Earth. Oh, and in the earth got two number one votes. Well, as long as we're on that, I would like to read. I was going to go through and read um, all of the reviews that we got. And I would like to name check everybody, everything that got a first place of vote. Yep. Um, let me read this. Let me read this one since it was a number one from Maurice. And uh, Maurice says, in the earth is a slow burn, unflinching allegory for Trump tolerance, doom preppers. Brexit, COVID restriction precautions, non-belief in science, reckoning with climate change, and QAnon conspiracy theorists. Directed by hardcore thriller black comedy auteur Ben Wheatley, In the Earth is a metaphorical as well as literal bloody and terrifying deep dive into the year 2020. Okay. Interesting. Graham the Haunted Marshmallow also has a review for his number one that didn't make the listener top ten. This is from Graham, the Haunted Marshmallow, a.k.a. Liam Leonard. Graham says, hey, guys, excited to hear the top 10 episode. Here's my mini review for my favorite movie of 2021, Slumber Party Massacre. Oh, nice. You know, that's awesome. That's really cool. Slumber Party Massacre is one of the best remakes I've ever seen. It is funny, scary, and comforting, all necessary ingredients for a great slasher film. It's also amazingly clever and respectful in the way it references the original movie and the slasher genre as a whole. It's not only a satisfying remake, but an incredible movie in its own right. It's unfortunate it was released without much publicity on the sci-fi channel, but I think years from now, it will be talked about by the horror community as one of the all-time best horror remakes. Wow, Wow, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, And it's interesting because now I know who gave it. It had a single number one vote. Now I know who it came from. (laughs) (laughs) and uh maybe with another single number one vote we have a review here from chuck loaf chuck loaf says my vote vhs 94 how often has a fourth entry in a film series been the best one mad max fury road star trek 4 well this fourth film in the vhs series gets my vote for best horror film of the year an anthology film with no bad entries. In fact, most entries were very good to great to amazing. The wraparound wow. story involving a military search was the weakest entry of the bunch. I used the military search scenes to catch my breath in between the other entries. And this movie sports an impressive 90% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. That's from Chuck Lowe for the 1200 Films podcast. So, and, and you are absolutely correct. He was the lone number one vote. <laughs> Sorry, Chuck Love, but now maybe no. more people check it out. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, you know, absolutely. I and I, I have not seen VHS ninety four, and now I have to. All right. So 
Dave, do you is it easy for you to read all of the number one films, or is that going to be a kind of a pain in the butt for you? No, no, I, I certainly can. And let's, I've already let's touched just name on a few check of them. Everything that got uh, every film that got a number one vote. I will mention them outside of the number the top ten. Um, and in in the honorable mentions, Fear Street 1978 got a number one vote. The Medium got a number one vote. Psycho Gorman, as I mentioned, had gotten two. In the Earth got two number one votes. Okay, other number one votes come true. Nice. Uh, VHS 94. Uh, nice. Bloody Hell. Oh, yeah. We haven't mentioned that film yet. That's a great film. Yep. The Queen of Black Magic. Nice. Blood Red Sky. Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah. Got a number one vote. Night Books, which I have not seen yet. Okay. Obviously, Slumber Party Massacre. That's it. Okay. That's all the number one films. We did get how many total films again? There were 114 movies. 114 movies in total mentioned. Some of those we would have put as last year on our yes, list. Yes, there were a few. List, but there we were allowed you to submit anything you wanted. So I will put a list of all 114 of those in the show notes at horrormoviepodcast.com. We would love to hear your thoughts on uh, anything that you saw, if your list changed that um that you wish you would have included i still have a couple to see that i that i fear might sneak into my list so um we'll see it'll be interesting to see i I have a Um, feeling last night in soho might move up my list oh interesting after a rewatch yeah okay well let's get on to some of the fun answers here at the end we've got what is your favorite guilty pleasure of 2021 any Guesses, Dave, what the listener said for their favorite guilty pleasure? Okay, if I were guessing, okay, because I'm going to, well, should I reveal mine first? Because I think mine might be, and I actually have a tie for guilty pleasures. As much as I didn't do any honorable mentions, I have a tie for guilty pleasures. (laughs) And I'm thinking both of these might have made guilty pleasures for the listeners. All right, so let me just reveal mine real quick. Slacks and Benny Loves You. (laughs) <laughs> i actually both. really thought i loved both of those movies i had a blast watching both of those films both fantastic choices for our guilty pleasure uh, my guilty pleasure was psycho gorman which oh which I, yeah psycho gorman is so much fun <laughs> which i love um there was a clear runaway winner for guilty pleasure but then there were a few Runners up that were all neck and neck. So the the clear runaway winner, one of the people who voted for it said, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure, but if pressed, Willie's Wonderland and Willie's Wonderland. Yes. Yeah. That was, that was the clear winner. You you get Nick Cage being Nick Cage without uttering a word. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Followed by three films that all tied for second place. And those were Malignant, Old and Psycho Gorman. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. We are going to move on to your biggest disappointment of 2021. What about you, Dr. Shock? All right. And it's funny because this is one you actually uh, uh, liked. One of my Uh bigger disappointments was Seance. Oh, interesting. It just seemed very run of the mill to me. It just, I like, I like after that opening scene where that sets everything in motion, I could kind of almost predict where it was going. And then it has, you know, one of the things I liked about it was it gave you the final reveal 20 minutes before the end of the movie. I thought that was kind of cool. 
but I didn't necessarily ultimately like where it went with the ending of it either. Um, so yes, for me, seance might've been, um, one of my bigger disappointments. Now that said, I did not get a chance to see M. Night Shyamalan's old. <laughs> right. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan's old. I also, so I did this thing this year where I was like, I was getting down to brass tacks and I hadn't still seen m- several of the larger films of the year. And I thought, oh, man, what am I going to do? I'm going to buy these for $20 on Amazon for, you know, for, for a streaming. I didn't really right, want to do man. that. And I, I thought, oh, you know what? Redbox. I'll look these up on Redbox. And so I, I found Redbox and something that I didn't know because I haven't used Redbox in years, actually. Maybe I used them once during the pandemic early on, but um, they actually have used DVDs to buy like Blockbuster used to, you know? Oh, awesome. Which which I didn't know. So I went to go to go rent some of these films and I got uh, The Forever Purge, Old, Malignant, and don't breathe two for four ninety nine each. Oh, nice. Okay, well, let's do this. Um, biggest disappointment of twenty twenty one. I I wasn't super disappointed by anything this year. You know, there weren't there weren't many things that I had really had my hopes up for that disappointed me. I was hoping the resort would be good, but I didn't even end up watching that one because all <laughs> of our listeners gave it like half a star. Mm-hmm. review on letterboxd um <laughs> probably the biggest disappointment that i had that i actually saw was there's someone inside your house just because it had a lot of potential it could have been like a new scream and it really wanted to be a new scream but i just felt like it fell apart from me um like in terms of the logic of the world it just didn't totally work for me and mm-hmm. kind of had a dumb ending but um yeah that was probably my biggest disappointment. And then the listener's biggest disappointment. Do you want to guess what that one is, Dave? Again, it's far and away their biggest disappointment. Wow. I want to guess what? what is it? I'm going to say maybe don't breathe too. No, it was Halloween kills. Wow. Really? By a lot. Yeah. Oh, wow. Lot. So we, it ended up being the, but we can see that every year. Every year, one of the top movies on the listeners' list also ends up being one of the biggest disappointments. Well, and also, if you go through here and see what the ones that came in after that, you know, that were close, were Candyman, Malignant, Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It, Antlers, Old, and Werewolves Within. Those were the next kind of wow tear down. So very funny. Yeah. Uh, the con, you know, what is funny because The Conjuring Three almost was my was my biggest disappointment oh really and it's not that i disliked it right it just wasn't at the level for me of the other two i 100 percent agree with you i still think it's better than a lot of the spinoff oh yeah i agree i agree it's not a bad movie it's just conjuring and conjuring 2 were so strong yes that for me conjuring 3 was just a step below and but yet i still loved the the um the patrick wilson and vera formiga their relationship. Yeah. Me, I love that more than I loved the supernatural elements of the movie. Okay, let's move on to the best horror adjacent film of 2021. What is the film that you saw that's not a horror film, but maybe due to the filmmaker or due to the thematic elements or anything that of your choosing that made you feel like it's kind of in the world of horror? Uh, what would be your choice there, Dave? Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you here. 
I've so far from 2021, and part of the reason is I'm I'm writing again on DVD infatuation. I'm posting normal reviews. Yeah, I have only seen horror movies from 2021, oh. but the one horror adjacent film that I am anxious to see, and I can't wait to check out, is Spencer. Spencer, I don't think I've even heard of. Spencer. It is the one with um. Oh God, Christ! Who's the girl from uh, the Twilight movies? Kristen Stewart. Oh, playing okay, Lady yeah, Dot. Yeah. Playing Lady oh, Dot. Okay. I have been told that this is not the type of, you know, when you hear that she's playing Lady Di, that this is close, as close to a horror movie that you can get of Lady Di's dealings with the royal family. Oh, interesting. I haven't seen it yet, but that's my most anticipated yeah. film that I want to check out from 2021. It's called Spencer. Spencer. And it oh, is that's yeah. the last name. Right, okay. exactly, and it's a and she plays Lady Die, and from what I understand, okay. Kristen Stewart gives a tremendous performance. I think she's pretty much. I think in recent years, we can pretty much put the Twilight Kristen Stewart behind us. She has done such strong stuff, and I'm even going back to Underwater from a cool yeah. a couple years ago. I think she was really awesome in Underwater. Yeah, personal and, shopper. Playing Lady Die, from what I understand, she gives a really strong performance. And this is from the director of Jackie, which is interesting. Um, nice. Yeah. That director also did the movie called The Club, which is kind of horror adjacent also. So that's interesting. Cool. Um, okay. Spencer, hadn't heard of that one. All right. Well, so from our listeners, uh, it was a runaway again. And the listeners pick for horror adjacent was Nightmare Alley. Uh, due to the uh, Yum of the Toro and and some of the darker themes and the gore, uh, probably. I, I want to see that. That's like towards the top of my list. As a matter of fact, uh, Matt Rowling's on their top 10 on Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. He mentioned this one and he mentioned me specifically. He said, I would love to hear what what Dave, Dr. Shockbacker, thinks of Nightmare Alley. So it okay. is towards the top of my list. Very closely following that one, we have Ghostbusters Afterlife. Nice. Um, and then we have the Green Knight would probably be the next one that landed on there. I'm just going to read all of these because I think it's interesting. Um, yeah. These are films maybe our audience wouldn't normally check out, but uh, might be interested in. There's Don't Look Up is on here, which I have not seen yet, but that's the environmental one with Leonardo DiCaprio, I believe. Right. Um, Mortal Kombat, which is a funny choice. Uh, Midnight Mass, which got some votes as a horror film uh, on the list, on the listeners did, list. yeah. Mother Android, uh, with I think that's another Chloe Grace Moretz, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I've never even heard of that one. Uh, Night in Paradise, cool. Night of the Animated Dead, Night Books, <laughs> which also got some horror. Votes. It did, it got a number one vote. No Man of God, which is uh, about wow. Dr. you know what? Yeah. God damn it, I want to change my vote. Okay. <laughs> My horror adjacent, because I didn't see Spencer, my horror adjacent is No Man of God. Okay, very the good. The interviews with um, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy, right, okay. That is a great, great movie. It has Elijah Wood, um, and I can't remember the actor who played uh, Ted Bundy in that movie. Wow, what a great film that is. That yeah. is my choice for horror adjacent. Okay. We got some votes for Old. Uh Promising Young Woman, which was great. Pig, yep. which is great. Uh, Spencer, 
that you mentioned. The Trip, which got some horror votes. Uh, the Little Things, which is a Denzel Washington, Jared Leto movie that was okay. Uh, <laughs> the Tomorrow War, which uh, that got a vote, I believe, right? On the horror? Hold on, let me look. Um, uh, was that the I Chloe Grace the... Moretz one? That... Shadow in the Cloud is the Glo- Chloe Grace Moretz film that got some votes for horror. Oh, great. It even got a number three vote. Oh, or wow. number four, number four vote. And this is a documentary, I'm assuming, but um, it's, it's, I haven't heard of it, but it's called Woodland, Dark, and Days Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror. So that sounds like a lot of fun. I would like to oh, check that out. Oh, it does, yeah. You know what? I, I just picked up the box set for Folk Horror. I think that's one of the films in that set. Oh. That, that's also with V and Anchor S and a lot of the other films that are considered oh. folk horror. And, uh, um, oh, God, who's the director of In the Earth? Uh, ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley. It has Ben Wheatley's A Field in England on it. Yeah. Interesting. Nice. Very cool. And uh, there was another documentary that made our listeners list as like a like an honorable mention. It was called The Sleepless Unrest, The Real Conjuring Home. So I'd also like to hear from whoever put that on their list about that, if you would tell us a little bit more about it. That's, I, I always love a good documentary that's horror adjacent. Yeah, that got a single vote in... Um... Honorable mentions. And then, okay, I, I should, I, sorry, I skipped mine. I, I would say my two, you know what, I'd go three. My three horror-adjacent films that I would recommend, uh, two of which were named here, Pig, Promising Young Woman, and then the third one I talked about on the last episode, Encounter. Uh, those are all three excellent movies, like like nice. 10 out of 10 movies for me. Yeah, I love One film that I'm surprised did not get more votes Yeah, is The Sound of Violence. That's, it did get some votes. It did. Yeah. It got a single vote. Oh, just one? Oh, interesting. One vote for number 10. Okay. That's all it got. And The Sound of Violence is such a good movie. Did you get a chance to see it? I did not. That's on Shudder, correct? Uh, I believe so, yeah. It is such a good movie. If you ever get a chance, definitely check out sound, The Sound of Violence. I uh, think it's awesome. That, that toward the top of my list. I didn't get a chance to see that one, unfortunately. I, see, I... I'm so scared to see Sound of Violence and The Vigil and all these that I didn't get a chance to see in time that are going to make my list, but we'll see. Right. <laughs> okay, we'll move on to our most anticipated horror movies of 2022. What do you got, Dave? Well, you know what? Uh, the obvious choice for me is Halloween Ends. Yes. Just because of Halloween Kills, I want to see where the story goes, but there's talk of another Evil Dead. Wow. That I might have to put because of the Evil Dead. Well, Halloween is in my top 10 horror films of all time. 78's Halloween, obviously. But Evil Dead is also in my top 10 of all time. And I was such a big fan of 2013's Evil Dead remake. Yes. That there, I think, is, is it Evil Dead Rises? It might be. I don't know. It's, don't it's know. really neck and neck between those two. Between Halloween Ends and the new Evil Dead film. Okay. Those are the two. Okay, well, um, man, yeah, Let's see, yeah, um, uh, I probably would have to say Nope is my number one, just because Jordan Peele. Oh, Jordan Peele, yeah. Uh, well, Jordan Peele, yes, and that that would be up. You know what? That would be up there as well, because just because Jordan Peele is attached to it, I know he. What yeah. did he produce? Candyman. He produced and co-wrote Candyman. Nice. Uh, but this is his next directorial film, is Nope. Yeah, Nope, and and with his previous two efforts. I mean, yeah. you know, obviously Get Out, I think, is is awesome. And I like Us a lot. 
I think Us made my top 10 that year. I think it was number four that year that that came yeah. out. Um, yeah, anything with Jordan Peele's name attached to it. As far as I'm concerned, and I mentioned this before, I think he's the next Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love I, what he does as a director in both of his films that he's directed so far. So with this nope, I'm really looking forward to it. Halloween ends is is another one for me, but that's just a no brainer because it's Halloween. But like right. for me, Nope is so exciting that it's an original film from a filmmaker that I'm obsessed with. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And the listeners agreed the runaway listener most anticipated film is Nope. Nice. Um, it is closely followed by Halloween Ends, and after that would be X, which is the new film from Ty West. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Also on the listeners list, there were a lot of votes for the Black Phone. Got several votes. Oh, I mean, what is? Um, that? I don't even one. know that one. Oh, that's the new one with um from Scott Derrickson, director okay. of Sinister, and it nice. stars Ethan Ethan Hawke. Ooh. So that that should be a good one. Um, also on the listeners list for most anticipated, Dark Harvest. Oh, Evil Dead Rise. There you go. Thanks. Cool. Um, Hellraiser, Men. Orphan, First Kill, which is <laughs> funny. Uh, right. Salem's Lot could be interesting. I didn't know there was a new oh, wow. Salem's Lot coming out. Oh, yes, wow. I did. But yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, Terrifier 2. Yes, Terrifier 2. I know you're not a fan of the Terrifier movies. Not really. You Won't Be <laughs> Alone. That's and then, and then the other one that I'm hoping is still coming out is... Um, Lee Wanell's Wolfman with Ryan Gosling. I, yes. I'd really like be... to see that. After the Invisible Man, yeah, with with um with Jason Blum with Blumhouse taking over, yeah, I am anxious now to see what happens with the uh, the Universal Monsters. Yeah, that will be really cool because I thought I loved what they did with the Invisible Man. Yeah, and I'm looking for. I hope it's coming out as well. Yeah, should be exciting. And just one last thing: the Davy Dave wrote my most anticipated of 2022 was scream but i had to pivot since i've already seen it twice <laughs> what with <laughs> nope instead could have gone with evil dead rise also so nice and and i know we have an ep our next episode i think we're going to be talking about scream it's definitely yeah if not the next one very soon yeah i, I yeah. think the listeners might have another one first with the lost episodes that are coming out but okay yes the, yes. the next new one that we release will be a scream review and I, what scream. i'd love to do is maybe do a top five or a theme discussion with scream since we've already done our scream franchise review mm -hmm. um what i'd love to do is get joel on to, to give his overview of the franchise but if, if if we can't do that then my backup for a theme discussion what i'd love to do is talk about what they talk about in the new scream which is remakes and reimaginings and reboots yeah, right and that's that's <laughs> an episode we've been you know uh threatening to do since our inception of the podcast and so right. i would love to do that in conjunction with scream and maybe check out slumber party massacre since i didn't get to it and take yeah. graham's recommendation on that so. that would be cool I, I haven't seen it either very cool all right well that brings us to the end of our top 10 horror movies of 2021 just a few months into 2022 right <laughs> <laughs> you know what like, hey we still got it in the first two months we still recorded in the first two months so that's not too yeah. bad honestly though i mean i still didn't see all the movies i wanted to see and we and i tried hard so like i i almost 
as nice as it would be to be a timely podcast, you know, one of these things that's happened with the pandemic is just slowing way down, unfortunately. Right. But I, I do love that uh, we get to see more of the films, you know, like that's really important to me. I'd rather, I'd rather give a good appraisal of the year in horror than rush to print. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. I agree. Yep. Absolutely. So I didn't get to see as many as I wanted to either. Yeah. Yeah. I love to see, you know, I assume I'm going to see most of the ones on shutter and most of the big releases, but I, mm-hmm. but there are so many films that are like only on Hulu or like, you know what I mean? But I want to try to get right. to all of those as well. These right. days. Paramount plus or exactly. yeah. So, well, I thought it was a good one. It was a good year. You know, it wasn't like for me, it wasn't like a slam dunk year, but it was still solid. Like we haven't had a bad year yeah. of horror for going on six years now. So. No, we haven't. And this was not a bad year. It was not no. a bad year. It was not as strong as previous years, but it was not bad. Yeah. We've had some really strong years. Yeah. Pretty much every year. But the first two that we did the podcast were like some of the best years of horror ever in my opinion i agree when you look at some of the number ones from those years it was green room that made both you uh yours and jay's number one that year i think it was my number two that year and of course a quiet place and just so many great movies yeah and get out and right you know it follows and and uh the, the vich and all these great movies i was gonna say even back in those some of those years that seemed like they were struggling like 2015 like that's a year that i like doesn't like hold up as well compared to some of these others if i think back about it if i actually go and look at the movies that year we've got it follows a girl walks home alone at night the final girls crimson peak the visit krampus turbo kid like the editor you know it's a really strong those are great movies every single one yeah those are great movies (laughs) Bone Tomahawk. So yeah. Bone Tomahawk. Wow. Good night, mommy. So it was, uh, even that like a year that we thought was kind of bad at the time really wasn't actually, it wasn't, it might've even been better than 2021. If we're being, it may have, have. there were more standout films, just less overall quality. This year we got a lot of movies that were decent. So, yep, exactly. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on 2021 horror and, any thoughts you have of what's coming up with 2022 and as always we hope to be here more often in the future but who knows right. <laughs> it's a rapidly changing world my yeah. my um schedule is getting easier and easier as time goes on it was pretty rough there for a year and a half i mean honestly like i know the listeners wanted more episodes but we're lucky that um any came out honestly my year was right. so wild so um it, it's only going to get better and better from here on out so stick with I us agree. we appreciate those who have stuck with us dr shock why don't you tell people where they can find you online dvd infatuation i'm still posting new reviews every other day now as opposed to every day but i'm doing mini marathons like i'm doing uh like little um film festivals on a certain theme like the movies that are releasing in february are all westerns and then in March, I have classic movies coming up. I call it my month of the men who made the movies. Films from guys like Howard Hawks and John Huston. Um, you know, a lot of these filmmakers, King Vidor, a lot of these filmmakers who sort of early Hollywood. Uh, and that's what my themes are going to be going forward with um, DVD Infatuation. And again, it's not going to be every day. It's every other day that I'm releasing reviews. So check me out at DVD Infatuation. I'm on Twitter at DVD Infatuation. I'm on Facebook. 
uh, Letterboxd. I have my YouTube channel. I haven't posted anything in a while, but it's still out there. Just search on Dave Dr. Shock Becker. Uh, as far as other podcasts go, I have uh, my uh, DVD Infatuation podcast, uh, which is out on Considering the Cinema, uh, where I host and I have some guests on. Um, I've been doing that for a while now. Uh, I guess about a year and a half almost. Wow, that's gone very quick. Um, I joined Nathan Bartleball on his Phantom Galaxy for a, uh, a uh, sort of, it's something called the Illustrative Fan, where Nathan and I talk about uh, animated films. And of course, uh, my other horror podcast, I have Land of the Creeps, I have Jay of the Dead's new horror movies. I have all of these things going on. Um, and of course, HMP, which I've just been loving. And uh, I can't wait to, um, it's funny, I can't wait to hear the next Lost episode because it's been a while. <laughs> should I tell you or should we keep it a surprise? No, tell me, please, because I don't remember. The next one that's coming out is uh, Midsommar. Okay. In a versus episode with the Wicker Man, and then we'll oh. also be talking about the Nicolas Cage 2006 Wicker Man. Was that not? And Peter Nielsen joined us for that one, did he not? Correct. That's awesome. That yeah. those would be really cool. Okay. Well, uh, you can find me. Uh, you were really all over the place, Dave. You've got a lot I, of stuff going on. I I'll tell you what, it, it's crazy. So I've uh, I've changed my production company name to AlkiVT, which is a even more confusing than Icarus Arts, it turns out. But uh, you can find links to all of my stuff at HorrorMoviePodcast.com. You can also follow the official Horror Movie Podcast Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. You can always send us an email, HorrorMovieCast, not podcast, cast at gmail.com. And, you know, the other thing I would do is say, check out Teespring and get a HMP t-shirt. Those are fun to wear around. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good times. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, we thank everybody for listening. We will be back soon. Lots of fun content coming your way. Thank you for joining us again for another of our exciting annual wrap-ups here at Horror Movie Podcast, where we are dead serious about horror movies. So that, those were good buys. And now I wouldn't, because I'm a collector, I probably rebuy them like the nice <laughs> version of those discs. If right. I, uh, if I decide I, you know, I, I need them in my collection, but that's, you know, I, for, I would much rather pay four ninety nine for a Blu-ray than pay, you know, $20. I'll tell you what, digital. as dep as depressing as it was when blockbuster was blockbusters were going out of business. Okay. Yeah. As depressing as it was that they were going out of business. I visited probably eight or nine blockbusters. Yeah. In the tri-state area around Philadelphia <laughs> to pick up the movies that they were now selling at bargain basement prices. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is I worked at blockbuster at the end of their run. So I worked there when our stores were finally getting rid of all the VHS and updating to Blu-ray. I mean, wow. updating to DVD. So right. I got a bunch of VHS tapes for like almost nothing at that period. And then I worked there through the time that they closed. So then I later got a bunch of Blu-rays and DVDs for super cheap also. <laughs> so, wow. Nice. Yeah. That was my, I, man, I probably half my collection comes from those like two years I worked at Blockbuster. But. That's all. And you know what? It's funny because, you know, I have my, my say DVD infatuation. Yeah. But let me just tell you one thing I didn't mention is that it was 2001 when I got my first DVD plan and bought my first two DVDs. And my first two DVDs were 1999's The Mummy and The Matrix. Those were the first two <laughs> DVDs I ever bought. Yeah. All right. At that point, when I had those first two DVDs, I had 
almost a thousand VHS. Now I'm talking movies plus things <laughs> I recorded over the yeah. years off of cable, off of television. I had all of these blank tapes. I mean, it was to the point that, you know, I was like, wow, DVDs take up less uh, shelf space. This is really good. I can't wait to sort of upgrade. But I remember when I got my first DVD player, I said, you know what? I'm only going to upgrade the movies that I think are worthy of upgrading to DVD, which is a higher quality. That's why I started yeah. with The Mummy and The Matrix. Well, <laughs> that didn't last very long. No. No. And now I've got thousands of DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, of course, I've got probably thousands of Blu-rays at this point and even a few 4Ks. So it's it's funny how it just is... How the format just wins yeah. me over every time. Yeah, I did the same thing. I mean, a similar thing is I, I wouldn't get rid of my v, a VHS tape until I had a replacement DVD for it. So right. I was slowly replacing my collection. Now I wish I'd held on to those VHS tapes because I am a... I still a have collect- some of my VHS tapes. I still I have um, some of the ones that I got. I'm talking like back when I was in high school and at some yeah. points, um, even like just late grade school... Uh, I have my first two Hitchcock movies I ever owned. I still have the yeah. VHS. I'm, I'm looking at them right now. I have them on a shelf. It is the original Man Who Knew Too Much and Sabotage. Yeah. I got them in a bargain bin in Kmart for like $3 I love a good VHS. I also, like I also collect um, laser discs because they make great wall art, I've found. Like, oh, nice. You know, like those. they make those little frames for uh, vinyl records. I like to Yes, put, my uh, son has several of them hanging in his room. Yes. Yeah, I like to put uh, laser discs in those. Awesome. Yeah. I've got a Teen Wolf one hanging up. Um, oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And then when when DVD came out, I, you know, I did that. But then when Blu-rays came out, I was like, I can't do Blu-rays. I just barely got replaced everything with DVD. You know and then I so said the I same thinking, thing. Yeah. I said the same thing. I'm like, I'm not going to go back and replace my DVDs with Blu-ray. Yeah. And then the first Blu-ray I ever bought was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Well, the way I started out into Blu-ray was, and everything I buy is Blu-ray now pretty much, but at that time, um, I was like, okay, well, if it comes with a Blu-ray and DVD combo pack, I'll buy those. And then when Mm -hmm. 4K came out, I did the same thing. If it comes with a Blu-ray in the 4K pack, I'll buy those 4Ks, (laughs) you know? So Yeah, first uh, 4K I ever got was um, Alien. Yeah. Was that not from you? Was that? that, uh... It might be. I think it might have been. I think it might have been like a giveaway or something. I can't remember. It's going back a few years. Yeah. But that was the first 4K I ever bought. Now going forward for new releases, I'm getting 4K. Like I got Ghostbusters Afterlife in 4K. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I I mean, again, but though that was one that has the Blu-ray with it. So it does. Yes. That's my current buying practice. Block Island Sound got only one single honorable mention. Ouch. (laughs) Well, it made my honorable mention, so let's let's call that two. (laughs) And Teddy only got one honorable mention. Ouch. And what about what about the power? The power. I think that one's a little bit. Oh no, wait, hold on. The power got (laughs) a single honorable mention. Okay. So either I'm not clicking with the listeners, or not enough people have seen those movies. So. Oh no, and uh, you know what? I'm I'm right there with you because uh, a ghost a ghost waits for me only got an honorable mention as well. And that was my number 10 movie. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There's room in this world for all of us. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) 